This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Warden's Watch Podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line Podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content, both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. Welcome back to another episode of the Thin Green Line Podcast. Today, we are very happy and honored to have a good friend of mine. Um, We've uh, run around together for about a decade, and his name is Jared Ogden. He comes from a family background of military service, patriotism to this country, He's a dual warfare qualified naval officer and a SEAL Team 1 veteran that spent eight years in the Navy and was deployed four times in the Middle East during the peak conflict era of the global war on terror. He's been awarded the Bronze Star with Valor, the Combat Action Ribbon, and multiple joint, multiple joint awards. Uh, he's a wildlife conservationist near and dear to all of us on the Thin Green Line. He's a staunch 2A supporter, an entrepreneur, and CEO and founder of Triumph Systems, a reactive target company geared toward the training needs of military, domestic first responders, and civilians worldwide. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And Jared, it is so cool to have you on the show. How are you doing today, my brother? Man, I'll tell you, it, has it been 10 years? <laughs> it, it has been 10 years since we met. Time just flies. I know, man. Yeah. I know. How are you doing? Wow. Today? Okay. I'm doing good. How are you? We're, we're great. We're great. I know. We're, you're in Missouri at our factory headquarters, yep. correct? Wayne's out in New Hampshire. Yeah. And I'm down from Montana, back on the West Coast in California. So we're kind of triangulating the man of the country today. <laughs> yeah, we, we got all the time covered. And, and brother, I got to just let our listeners know kind of how we met, because it kind of puts some context on who you are outside of just being, you know, a veteran warrior and protecting our country for all the right reasons. Uh, we met through our friend Blake Bechtel way back in the day, going back about a decade. And he kind of yep. brought us together for our first hunt together. It was that yep. elk hunt on horseback in the Bob Marshall Wilderness area, I mm-hmm. think our first elk hunt collectively. 
And uh, yes. it, it was an absolute blast. We got to know each other. We got to break bread. We got to suffer in the weather and the climbs and the horse hunts and, uh, and all of that. And that's <laughs> when I really, really resonated with you as a conservationist, a fellow thing green liner. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, 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 that was a great hunt. Um, you know, to this day, I, 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 I want to repeat that trip at some point. If we get back out to the Bob Marshall uh, wilderness and, and do another elk hunt, that would be, that would be stellar. Yeah, we definitely have to make it happen. And the other thing I got to let our listeners know is it was your crazy influence that got me to jump out of a perfectly good airplane and parachute for the first time. <laughs> and Jared was literally in the same plane when I jumped out to have my very first skydive. And he gave me that fly with the birds, brother. I went, it's all or nothing. So he and, pushed you. Uh, it, it, yeah, figuratively, <laughs> figuratively actually did. And it was an amazing experience. And we jumped uh, a couple times since. So mm. I got to thank and you for he, uh, overcoming that barrier uh, in my, my special opportunity. Well, here, here, here's what I'll say about that whole experience. You never forget your first time. Nope. Nope. No, that was don't. the e-ticket ride of all the crazy stuff we've done collectively, right? So uh, yeah. that was that was another great memory we shared together, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. But start us off, man, with why you went into the military, what your family service history was. And I know 9-11 had a huge influence on where you were, what you were doing, and just your whole background, because it really needs to be shared. Well, I'd say from from a very young age, before I can remember... I wanted to serve in the military and there's no pivotal uh, moment or experience or conversation uh, that, that I can you know, track that to. It's just something that I've always wanted to do. Um, my, my dad, he was a, um, uh, a ranger in Vietnam. He was an Arvin airborne division uh, platoon commander or platoon leader. And uh, the military, um, yeah, it was, we talked about it, but it was not ever anything that, that my parents or family pushed for. Uh, it, w- it was not encouraged, but it also wasn't uh, not encouraged, if that makes sense. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I, my parents, they raised four great kids and, and they wanted for us to be productive citizens. And you know, I, I think that the key to being successful in life is, you know, you got, you got to do something uh, that, you, uh, that you're interested in. You've got to do something that you're you're good at, uh, and the more you can align your interest with something that you're good at, uh, you know, success typically will follow that. So military, um, it wasn't encouraged, it wasn't discouraged, and I, I set my sights on the Naval Academy, and uh, I, I wanted to be an, a Navy SEAL from a very young age. Probably, probably didn't even know what all that entailed, but uh, you know, maybe I was the product of like you know, some, some good marketing or, or maybe that Charlie <laughs> a good with the right movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's, you know, when I was in, I remember being in middle school and I wanted to be a seal, but the closest thing that I knew to a seal was my cousin oh. who was a midshipman at the Naval Academy who wanted to be a seal. So I, I didn't even know any seals at that point, but right. I, I saw my cousin seven years older you know, going down this, this, this track. And I said, well, that's, that's how you do it. Right. So in middle school, I said, I'm going to go to the Naval Academy. So I intend, I was intentional in selecting a a magnet math science public high school that was not um, my, my my normal high school. It was a little bit further away. Uh, But I I knew that to go to the Naval Academy, you've got to have, you know, a strong math 
science engineer. They call it STEM now. You got to have that strong background. So I went to this magnet program and uh, you know took 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 the right classes. The, you know, the AP maths and sciences and whatnot. And uh, and in my decision to to go to that magnet high school, it was it was reinforced when um, in high school my my cousin went to buds. And he became a Navy SEAL, and I said, "Well, I'm I'm on the right path." And 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 then you know applied to the Naval Academy, got accepted. Now uh, became a Navy SEAL. In retrospect, going to the Naval Academy, being a, an officer in the SEAL teams, statistically, that's that's probably you know the uh, the least likely way to become a SEAL. Right. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. it, it worked for my cousin. And it worked for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And basically, you, you, you struck a process that I think young Americans today really need to take heed to is if you have a passion and you know that passion, if you're lucky enough to know what you're really mm-hmm. convicted to do at an early age, you got to plan it out and you got to go in, you know, into the deep end and not hold back. And you might be prepping eighth, ninth, 10th grade like you did, right? Like getting the education, boning up on that STEM program and all of that. Yep. Um, and chasing that dream. It's not something you can choose overnight and get off to the races. By then we could be worth the back of the pack. And, right. uh, and it's a testament to where you become, you know, where you, what you developed in your military career. Now, later the stuff we're going to talk about, man, but it is a, you know, having a lot of SEAL team buddies mutually that we have, that is not the normal way I hear a guy's getting into the teams. So mm. it's a great process. Yeah. And there's something well, different it, it, in your, there's something different in your philosophy that I haven't heard before, Jared, that I'd like to put out something you're good at. So a lot of people inspire to be something that they're not very good at. And to be honest with you, they can't achieve it. And it's that, that reality check, like something you're good at, then you put a plan together. But you know, you can do anything you want to do in this country for sure. But you know what? Mm-hmm. You got to be good at it. You got you mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, I can think of lots of things. My, my wife's a very intelligent woman. She's a, she has a doctorate in pharmacy and everything, and there's a lot of things she's not good at. Um, yep. She just became a certified scuba diver, so I'm pretty excited about that. So, uh, yeah. so really good at that. I, well, I was wondering, and uh, she pulled that off, and I was pretty happy about that. So, <laughs> But anyways, uh, so, yeah, but I think that's part of a philosophy that people forget to, to throw at that. And usually something you're good at, you like, so you gravitate to that. So that that's an easy sell, but it's something, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of college kids coming into it just out of high school. And they have these high aspirations, and then I see what they're good at. And, you know, I, I don't tell them that you, uh, you should be looking somewhere else, but they really should. And I, I try to steer them towards yep. other things and other paths, yep. maybe along that line, but something they're good at. So thanks, for, thanks so much for yeah. bringing that out. Well, I, I, think, I think that the more you can align doing something you enjoy with something you're good at with something that someone will pay you to do, that <laughs> is literally that, – that, that's the – Perfect combination. That's the secret sauce yeah, right there. And it. to clarify, when I say you have to be good at something, that doesn't mean you have to be the best. That doesn't nope. mean that you have to be on varsity. That just means that you have uh, some natural ability to perform a task. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe the, the best example would be uh, me and technology. Okay? <laughs> like, I know that I should, like, not do any – like, I – I keep the IT department in business. Like I am their job security. 
So, you know, and, and, and a lot of it, you know, this is kind of funny, but, uh, you know, my attitude a lot of the time is if it's broke, well, you hit it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not that's not the, the approach that you should take when your computer's acting up. And, 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 and by the way, you know, that's why I was about 10 minutes late uh, to, to, to this is because, you know, I uh, have a new computer and I had to work some bugs out. So that's um, funny. But, you know, uh, but, but at the same time, to my credit, um, I'll brag on myself a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm 41 years old. I married a girl that is uh, almost 10 years younger than me. And, and let me tell you, she's a whiz on the computer. So we, we just really balance things out, you know. Yeah, there's a good team right there on all levels. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's great. So, so Jay, when you, um, when you made the choice... You started the teams. You got into Buds. I mean, everybody knows how tough Buds is. It's kind of legendary. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in Buds and then deployment. When you got overseas to the Middle East, when we were red hot in, in the GWAT, in the global war on terror, um, you guys are really effective over there, but you lost a lot of brothers too. And it was, it was you had some horrendously challenging deployments. Um, They're just, just intense. Um, tell us about that if you could. Sure. So let me back up to the Naval Academy. So I graduated actually high school, graduated high school in 99. And I went to prep school. Uh, The Naval Academy said, you know, we we like you, we like your credentials, but you got to get that SAT up. So I I went to I went to prep school, I went to New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico, same place that Roger Staubach went to uh, for uh, before basically his his red shirt year. Um, And and so this so now it's 2000 when I finished up prep school and I go to the Naval Academy, well, you know, we were a, a nation at peace. There was nothing going on. Right. And then my sophomore year, uh, twin towers come down. Wow. And, and, uh, and so that you could, it, it was just a different reality because at that point we weren't training to enter a military in, during a peaceful time we were going to war and that reality set in when I was a midshipman. So, um, you know, finished up the Naval Academy, graduated in 2000, uh, 2004 and, um, did not initially get selected for buds seal selection. Uh, I I was not one of the uh, 16 or so guys, uh, all guys from my, from my Naval Academy class. So I, um, yeah, I had to take the detour and I, I, uh, Picked a warship that was deploying out of San Diego. Uh, I wanted I wanted to deploy it right away so that I could start working on my qualifications because uh, the the way that the Navy set up um, is I, I would not be able to apply for a lateral transfer transfer into the Naval Special Warfare community until I first was surface warfare qualified. Okay. So the way that you become surface warfare qualified is yeah I mean you've just got to you got to deploy. And you start working on those qualifications. So I think the the fleet average to get uh, your SWO pen, your service warfare officer uh, pen, I think the fleet average, at least at the time, was 22 months. I was motivated. I got my SWO pen in less than a year. Nice. And wow. and, and 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 then dropped my package to go to Buds, uh, knowing you know at this point it's 2005, knowing full well that you know we're 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 going down range. Uh, this is, you know, kinetic operations and, um, uh, dropped my package and buds was, uh, man, (laughs) it, 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 it was, it was everything 
it was every bit of misery and cold uh, and uh, and suck that you can possibly imagine, and then some. And it, 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 and while it was cold, wet, miserable, it was awesome. It was just. It, it was fun. And I, I think that you just have to have that to, to get through the program. This is a program with 80% attrition. And, you know, to, to, to get through that program, I don't know. I think you have, a, you have to look at things differently. Uh, you have a different sense of humor. You know, at the end of the day, what made, yeah. but, what made Bud's great were the people uh, to your left and, and right you know, after hell week, after, you know, the people that were left standing, that's what made buds awesome. That, that just that, that high caliber person that uh, I was fortunate to, uh, to be able to work with. Yeah. Oh, very impressive. And you, you say things that I like to peel the young, you know, cause I don't hear a lot, the, the prep school part, um, you talk about being good at something, but you went to a prep school so you could achieve your goals. So they polished you up. They, they honed you. That was a process that honed you to get to that next step, to get to that next step on huh, Jared. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, and and, and, and here, here, here's the thing. Um, if you aim high enough, you'll, you'll be challenged. Mm. If you aim high enough, you know, that if, if you, if you pick the biggest mountain out there to climb, you're <laughs> going to be challenged. Right. And so, I mean, that, that is the Naval Academy, right? Yeah. It's, I, I don't know, 10, 12% acceptance rate. Um, you're, you're dealing with very intelligent people that, that go to that school. And, uh, you know, I, so I, I picked the Mount Everest of colleges to go to and, uh, yeah. And, and, and they said, you know what, um, you get that SAT score up a little bit more. I took the SAT. I want to say like 12 times. <laughs> really? uh, there's, there's, wow. no, there's no quit. There's, right. there's no quitting. I love yeah. to hear that. Actually, yeah. that's, that's, that's something that I want to go back to because I want, to have listeners, you know, when they go to be game wardens, when they, whenever they achieve their goals, there's ways to hone your skills to get there. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong. I, I became good at taking game warden tests. I probably took 20 before I got the job. I just became good at that. But you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I just, those are things in your character that I, I think everybody can use and take home and say, hey, because sometimes we think the kid that has, to, that, that needs a little extra help to achieve those goals, we're like, yeah, look at that kid, you know, but no, look at that kid. You know, he knows what he wants yep. to do. He knows how to hone his skills, and now he's doing that. I mean, even physically, you know, to go to a trainer, they're professionals to, to get you in that mm-hmm. shape, to, to achieve your goals no matter what they are. So I just, no, I'm, I'm listening to this, and, I, and there's little things that I want to focus on that I think can help a lot of our younger listeners to achieve their goals in the future. And, you know, you're, you're very successful, so that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. So thank you uh, for, again for bringing out something, something I thought, you know, you probably thought was insignificant and little, and I'm like, that, that's, that's, that's huge to a younger listener that, you know, feels, you know, I can think of several that have reached out to John and I in the process, you know, and they feel like that they've done it six times and, you know, that what am I doing wrong? And, and I like that because we can help them hone their skills, but in the same part, you know, they need to hone their skills. There needs to be that process. You need to get better at what you're doing. So oh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, well, I, I'll t- I'll t- for the young kids, um, I'll take, I will take work ethic over talent every day of the week. Absolutely. I mean, work ethic with, with a strong work ethic, you can overcome so much that talent alone uh, won't even get you into the front door. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on. But you know, the other thing too, to, to mimic, uh, to kind of pony on what Wayne just said is, 
this ability to want and need to rely on other teams, right? I mean, we, we all come from re really dedicated teams and we'll all talk, you know, especially you with the SEAL teams starting out where you, where you want to relate for uh, your professional life now. Um, we're in technology, kids are isolated, they're working alone. You know, the idea mm -hmm. of reaching out to another professional to give them advice and have a thick enough skin to say, I want to be a sponge. We just don't yep. see a lot of that. And, you know, yep. that's, that's, that's uh, getting to your work ethic and your motivation and no quit that we share, but saying, okay, I'm going to figure this out on the internet and I don't want to ask for help because I just want to stay in my bubble. And that's, I mean, you're already a step behind, right? That's, that's a failure type of attitude because you just don't have yep. that in mind. And we're just seeing more yep. and more of that because there's just less teams being built, you know, for, mm -hmm. for our youth, unfortunately. And I think it's a huge message has to come back, but all, everything you did there in the Navy, going through buds, and now you're ramping up to deploy. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, when you were over there, uh, how many tours, and, and really what your biggest challenges were and what you saw that resonated. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, let's say I, I did the initial deployments as a surface warfare officer, uh, floated around the northern Arabian Gulf. And then uh, I, I had the opportunity after buds to augment uh, SEAL Team 6. So I, I, in essence, deployed with them for about 60 days. Uh, I came back and then a few weeks later deployed for seven months with uh, SEAL Team 1. Uh, and then my, my, my last deployment, if you will, for the military folks, it was, it, it was technically not a deployment. It was a PCS. Uh, and I, I took a, a, a staff job at Unit 3 in the island kingdom of Bahrain. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, learned, I learned in that staff job that I just wasn't cut out to be a staff officer. Right. Uh, there, was, there was definitely, for me, an element of probably survivor's guilt. And you're forward, you're in Bahrain, and, and you know, it, it, for the most part, you are coordinating training with, with host nation allies. Um, but there were, there was some support, uh, things that we would do, uh, for kinetic operations and, um, you know, you're forwards and, and you're there, but you're not really there and yeah. in tandem with some survivor's guilt. So I just, I, I didn't really like being a staff officer and that's when I decided to leave the Navy. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I'll say this in general about being a SEAL officer, uh, which any, any combat leader, your job, you know, if you want to distill it in the most basic of ways as a combat leader, whether it's military law enforcement, whatever, you're a manager of violence right. and you're choosing, uh, you know, taking and saving lives. And that's, that, that's what it is. Um, the most humbling part of the job for me, and I think a, a lot of people would agree uh, with me is, so you're, you're in charge and you're managing people that are better than you, people that are faster, stronger, smarter, people that are subject matter experts. You know, as, as an officer, you're not an SME of anything. You're not a sniper. You're not a breacher. You're not a medic. You're not a comms guy. And so you're dealing with these people that, you know, that, that have this just incredibly extensive knowledge of the craft that they specialize in. And, uh, and, and so literally you're, you're, you're jack of all trades, expert in none. And so as, as, as a combat leader, it's your job to, you know, just, just understand holistically what the battlefield looks like and to place those assets 
and your greatest asset is your people to place those people in the in the position to get the job done the most effective way. And and so you're just um, you know, you're you're dealing with people, you're leading people that are better than you, and that is that is humbling. Um, the other parts of that, and, and what I've learned through the process is it's great to be a part of a team that otherwise, you know, you're doing, you're doing something that no individual can do. Um, You know, and, and I think that that's, you know, what the essence of teamwork is. I think it's lost on a lot of people um, because there's, there's no selfishness in it. You've got to be altruistic. You got to put other people ahead of you. You got to put the mission ahead of maybe what you individually want to do. But it's amazing when you see it come together, it's like watching water run downhill. It's just seamless. It's just smooth. It's just fluid. And it's, it's a really great thing to, to have experienced. Yeah. It, to to, to uh, reiterate that, I, I know that feeling. And I know from being a Met Lieutenant and forming up the team that you're very familiar with and that you, you know the guys now, um, mm-hmm. it is beyond a privilege to work with a group of one percenters and yep. be there for them and let them do what they do best. It's a dance. You know, it's like a perfect choreographed dance of water flowing yep. down the hill. It's right as rain, right? To just coin a couple of phrases and, and it's, uh, and it's very humbling. Um, yep. and, and it's, it's, a uh, it's a burden on your shoulders that we embrace because we want to be there and we want to look out and make sure they have everything they can do to be effective and just, we share in their glory. It's amazing. So yeah, I, I, I feel you in that way. And again, getting back to kids and understanding what teams are like a Super Bowl caliber team or a Pac-10 caliber football team. Same type of thing, you know, when you're coordinating mm-hmm. that type of deal. Maybe the consequences aren't as severe, of course, with uh, what we were dealing with. But that's a great way to say it. Appreciate that. And I got to. Uh, so when you came out of the military, um, I got to share a story. Well, <laughs> I think oh, boy, which one? <laughs> uh, you wanted to help us out on the Met front. Yep. You wanted to help us out. You, you would come out of the military. You were looking for, you know, where you were going to go next professionally and what type of team you were going to build. We met through our mutual friend, Blake. We started hunting together. You attended, you actually went to your first hunter safety class, I think, With on you. the ranch that we did up yep. through, uh, through Blake's uh, family. And you yep. were, one, committed to conservation, wanted to start hunting, which me being a game warden, a fellow hunter, love that. Then we meet, and then you're saying, well, what is this Met team? What's this cartel cannabis poisoning the environment you know you guys are getting in gunfights in the silicon valley with these embedded cartel operatives how can i help in that fight you don't want to get out of the fight so you actually uh, for our listeners i think they'll enjoy this story you started a reserve uh deputies academy to embed with the sheriff's office of santa clara county because we on the fishing game front didn't have a reserve program yet but we really wanted mm-hmm. to work with you of course you know given your seal team background your combat experience and great level head so everybody my partners on the sheriff's office, after I breached that idea, they were like, heck yeah, let's get him involved. And now you went to a different kind of academy that was the absolute polar opposite of the challenges of Buds. And that was a heck of a sacrifice you made. Can you tell us some stories about what you experienced in that academy and uh, um, what type of uh, other other candidates you were uh, integrating with? Let's just say that. Yeah. So it's it's an indoctrination as you would expect of, 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 of any law enforcement or military organization, they're going to break you down right. to zero. And then they're going to build you back up. The, my, my experience was, was unique compared to most, you know, 
possibly all of my classmates uh, because I had already been through the most grueling indoctrination that you can think of. Right. And, and I know the process and I know the purpose and, and, and you just gotta, you just gotta do it. Right. You know? So, so did it have the same effect on me as other people? It's, it it is necessary, but no, it didn't have the same (laughs) effect on me because I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. And, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, fond memories, you know, and, and, and helping people out that maybe don't see the bigger picture, you know, th- things like that. But, um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it, I mean, it, even in that kind of indoctrination, um, you know, program, you, you still, it's about the people. Yeah. We, we still had fun, you know, and, you know, you, you just, you find humor, and, and things that maybe other people wouldn't find humor in, but it's, it's indoctrination. It sucks. Uh, there, it, you know, there's no way around it. So you just, you find humor where you can. And, uh, and that, and that's that, but at the same time, it's about the person to your left and right. Yeah. That's what makes, that, that's what makes it worth it. Yeah. That was just, <clears throat> I think it was just a big sacrifice on your part to come back through a basic reserve Academy, just come in stateside, you know, to- I'm not, I'm not going to say it wasn't painful. <laughs> yeah we can re- we can understand that but uh yeah. but that, was, that was huge that you did that and that you took notice of what was going on domestically you were fighting a yep. global war on terror with your brothers on the military side while we're fighting the domestic eco-terrorism war within borders that as you know still goes on and we're still working together on that through our triumph outreach and everything i do with you mm-hmm. um but there's not too many guys that would do that coming out of that level of combat and that level of experience um, and dive right back in. And it was just a real testament to you, brother, to acknowledge that on the conservation environmental front and public safety front and say, hey, I want to stay involved. You know, I want to be on the ground a little bit. And uh, I applaud you for that. Thank you. Well, it's 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 it was it was an experience for me, a learning experience for me, because um, at the time I didn't I didn't know that literally we were at war. In, in central and northern California against the cartels. I did not, I didn't know what reclamation was right. before we met. Yeah. I did not know the, um, the devastating effects that, um, that are the result of these illegal growth sites. And, and when, you, when, you, when you understand that, it becomes a lot easier to, to go through you know, uh, another indoctrination so that you can go and, and become deputized and, yeah. and so that you can yeah. help, you know, at the end of the day, I want to, I've got lessons learned. I want to share those with other people so that um, they can, so that the mission can be accomplished faster. And uh, you know, the, the reclamation mission is it, it's super, super important and probably not talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you helping on that front too. And a, a lot of guys in special forces, as you know, a lot of mutual colleagues of ours, have taken notice to it and in the stuff we've talked about over the last couple of years and uh everybody resonates on the patriotic front whether you're a military special yep. operations veteran you're a special operations domestic first responder you're a conservationist a hunter an angler uh you know a, a game warden a park ranger whatever mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's now it's a national fight and uh and you've done a lot of that with the business too moving forward but yep. before we jump into that, let's talk about um, after you took that first hunter education class, got your official hunter safety card, started hunting, and it wasn't long after that we had that elk hunt. Your first mm-hmm. big game, successful big game harvest. 
because I know we didn't share that together. We had had a hunt. We were unsuccessful. Yeah. We had a great hunt. Take us through that moment because that first moment, oh. it, it's just magical. You know, <clears throat> you know the, the, I mean, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is, I mean, keep, keep in mind, this was a transition for me from, from hunting critters with two legs yeah. to four hooves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. And, and, and uh, you know, but, but the hunt, the hunt is about the camaraderie. The hunt is about the storytelling. Uh, the hunt is about the ad- adventure, regardless of if you harvest or not. Uh, but like, like you said, I, I did not harvest. I think what tw- maybe a quarter of the people on that week long or so hunt har- uh, harvested, correct? One, one 20, I just, I remember about, tw- about a quarter of the guys. Yeah. I harvested. think, I think while I was there with you on that elk hunt, we had one, we had Mike, who's that trout angler, um, the trout guy. Okay. Nice. Mike Folden. He got that one nice bull. We all kind of converged on in different groups. Yeah. Uh, before, yeah. I, before I had to leave the woods and I think you might've got one other elk out of 10 hunters. So yeah, it was less yeah. than 20%. Yeah. Of 20%, that. something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, what, a what a great way to, um, you know, for, for that experience in the Bob Marshall going in, yeah. you know, in, in filling X filling by horseback right. and <clears throat> you know, the shelters already set up and, uh, you've got the wood burning stove. Uh, that's that's th- the only bad thing about that being your first hunt is it, it's like they're not all that nice. from there. You know, but guys like us, we like misery. So yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's it's not beyond us to to you know we'll have a good time when we're cold and wet and shivering, and that's typically what hunting is. Um, so that was a, a great first time hunt. Uh, so so let me think my first harvest, I guess, I think it was Montana, uh, black bear. Yeah, I think it was right. I I'm pretty sure it was Montana black bear with, with Jana Waller. Jana. Yeah. 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 So that, so, so then since then, um, I went uh, probably a year or so after that, I went to Idaho and I got another black bear. And, and, and there's a misconception that bear doesn't taste good. Bear, it's all about the preparation. Absolutely. Bear's awesome. It's, it's delicious. Ab, it's right. so, so, so good. Yeah. Um, most recently, so <laughs> this is awesome. I, I had the hunt of a lifetime. I drew a Shiris moose tag and harvested in Idaho. Oh, that was a great and, Yeah, I know that, man. Wow. Yeah, that was that was about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that was that was magical. It, it was just, it was magical. And, and you never, when you go out to a hunt, especially when, you know, from middle America out to Idaho, a lot of preparation goes into that. Yeah. And you never know how it's going to end. Um, it, this one was so fast I literally I show up i confirm my optic is good to go the next morning you know we we uh embark on the trails by atv and we'd been out there for about two hours yeah and i'm, I'm hunting out there with the with the retired marine Perfect. and and we identify some moose uh, don't know uh, don't know how many are in there but i, I love working with this guy his name's mike because we just like real quick within a couple minutes came up with a hasty plan yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, and, and this is his backyard, right? So he's in charge and uh, <laughs> he's basically kind of like my guide. Right. And, and so he's calling this big old moose. We, we know it, we, we know it's, you know, we, we know it's a, a male because yeah. you can hear literally it's antlers, you know, rubbing up on that tree. And uh, so he's like, 
I want you to run around the bowl. You see that tree right, right over there? Like, yep. I want you to pop out, just pop out right there and you'll get a look. And so I just, I ran around the bowl, 150, 200 yards, whatever it was. I popped out right where he said, and those moose, it was two cows in a bowl. They yeah. were, they were curious. They're like, what is that? And as soon as I popped out through the timber and showed myself, they were all running. And I just <laughs> sat down, or I didn't sit down. I just breathed out, found that bowl, pop. And, it, and he was on the go. It was about, a, it was inside of 150 yards. Yeah. But it was in, in a moose, even, even a Shiras moose, which they're the smallest of the moose family. Um, massive, yeah. majestic. Awesome. So like to, to look at how big they are and to see how delicate they can run and maneuver those thick woods. I mean, it's, it's, it's magical. And uh, so did not have much time at all on this shot and just breathed out and, you know, go back to basics and nice low trigger squeeze and dropped them right there. And, awesome. and that was it. But that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, man, I hope my wife lets me go on another hunt like that. <laughs> oh, man. That, but, you know, we, we, we got the one-month-old, so that, that might be a year or two out. We'll, we'll make one happen when the kids are the right age, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. We'll get oh, back. Yeah. Uh, my my son, he's, he's, uh, he's 20 months old now, and I, I can't wait. Yeah. I just, it's going to be fun to teach him some stuff, it's, to take him out, make stories. <clears throat> yeah, ab- absolutely magical, man. And I remember when you – you called me about that hunt and you were so excited and we talked ballistics and we were getting yes, a yeah. rifle because we both have the same rifle that yep, seven, seven mag. Yeah. Yeah. You got that seven yeah. mag. Um, and we're, uh, you know, I was all the way in Montana at the time and I wanted to get, mm-hmm. we could get on the range together, but we couldn't do that. So we used a little bit of technology. We used FaceTime yep. and we talked ballistics and you were shooting yep. all kinds of, trying all kinds of different ammo and getting your dope down and yep. doing some moving shots. And again, to what you said in the beginning of our conversation today, <clears throat> it was almost like you were going back to deployment because this, you knew how special this hunt was. And now it's yep. like, I'm going to prepare. And you prepared for months. I did. Yeah. Um, getting your ballistics down, getting the right load, uh, getting really proficient yep. back on a bolt gun outside of a carbine. Yep. Kudos to you. And I was, uh, yep. I felt very lucky to live that hunt vicariously through you as I was getting updates in real time from the training to the prep, to the travel, and then the pictures. And uh, I was, you know, I was up on another hunt and unfortunately couldn't join you on that one. And I was just elated for you, brother. That was a big, big success after uh, so much preparation and, and moose meat. You know what? I, I, I had honestly, I had forgotten all the prep. Yeah. You know, I remember, um, but well. you're, you're right. We, <laughs> we, we talked for hours, Yep. you know, broken up over weeks and months. Nice. We talked for hours. Yeah. And, you know, some people may not understand, but when you pulled Shiras moose in Idaho, that is a literally, literally once in a lifetime. Yeah. And, 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 and you prepare for it. Yeah. Because that's it. It ain't going to happen again. Yeah. And I, I love that it was one of those hunts that unlike all the other hunts we've been on, most of us, Wayne, you, myself, how often does that happen? Like the first dang day you're <laughs> out there on it's a lifetime hunt. It's happened one time Never. for me on a mountain goat and that's it. Yeah. Never. And yeah. when it happened for yeah. you, man, I was just tickled because you, you had done so much good prep on it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I remember 
we talked shortly after, and I think you actually did a social media post on this because it was worthy of that, but a couple inside texts on how good moose meat is. Mm. And yeah, talk oh, yeah. about that. I mean, because not, not a lot of people, you know, that had had the, the, the opportunity to taste moose along with elk and deer and everything else. It's just an amazing meat, you know? Oh, yeah. It's so I, it's, it's, one of the coolest parts about the harvest was um, <clears throat> being able to share the meat. Yeah. Uh, share the harvest with with several friends uh, that I, I shipped, you know, on dry ice. I shipped coolers <clears throat> to to several different friends, but also um, I shipped a cooler of, and it was the steak, and it was the uh, roast, and it, and it was ground moose. It was a, a nice variety. I shipped over to uh, the C4 Ranch, which is the Char- 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 Charlie Keating uh, charity. Uh, so they're they're in Southern California, and it's it's a place where veterans can go and decompress and, and work on mental health and stuff like that. So I was able to, to, to ship a cooler out to Chuck's dad and, and, and for those guys and girls that go down there to, to enjoy it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's <clears throat> it, the moose steak. Once you have moose steak, you're just kind of disappointed. Yeah. With, with the right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, you know, that, that first hunt. On horseback, Bob Marshall, the tent set up, like you got the guides, you know, and then, and then no hunt is ever going to be that, uh, oh, what's the right word? Just uh, like everything was done for you, right? Yeah. Gentleman's hunt. Same concept. Yeah. You have that moose steak and well, beef is not as good as it used to be. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. It changes you. It changes you. Yeah. I've still got little bit of um of some ground moose left so that'll be uh, a great addition for it's winter now and uh, that'll be a great addition for my my winter chili nice. there you go yeah nice. savoring every yeah. last piece of that that amazing blessing of that moose yeah That's great thanks for yeah. sharing that moose story jerry because you got me excited and oh. when you when you talk about that you can hear the passion in your voice and i hope our listeners mm-hmm. were on the edge of their seats just like i was because uh yeah i I'm, i was right there with you and you know to talk about how good it tastes and things like that i mm-hmm. you know as a game warden i guess i never really you know moose were a lot of them when i started my career i started getting roadkill as a my father would go out and get a roadkill moose like once a year so i've been eating moose a long time yep. now the tick infestation has come and our moose population has plummeted uh compared to what we were so now i am uh where we used to get you know 50 60 collisions a year easily in my area now we're down to maybe two or three um so really wow that's that's um i used to sign on my day and it was where i was going to pick up the dead moose that's how i started my day as a game warden 20 years ago it was just there was a dead moose somewhere hit by a car and that's how i started my day where am i going to go pick up the dead moose and now (laughs) if they get three a year it's a miracle so and even becomes more desired is that meat because we used to have a roadkill list that people could get it but now it's even more desired it's that it's just like you were talking about (laughs) and moose have so so now where you are what what kind of so so there's three kind of moose right there's cyrus alaskan yukon is that and then alaskan yes or is yukon and alaskan the same the same same subspecies there's three there's three kinds of moose, right? Mm-hmm. You were right. And so, wh- wh- and so, which kinds of moose is out by you? Is it would be it the Cyrus, or is it the Canada moose, or the, the East Can- Coast okay, side? Okay, gotcha. so, yeah, yeah. And Maine gotcha. has okay. quite a few: New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, a little. 
Um, and then yeah. you get up into those Canadian provinces above us, uh, you know, New Brunswick, uh, Newfoundland is probably got the highest population on the Eastern side of, you know, North it's, America. It's where my brother-in-law went and, and, you know, well, so a couple things, this is the Shiris moose that are shot in uh, Idaho. It, it has started a, um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get all three is, is where I'm going with this. Awesome. I, I got to get all You're three. Slam route now. And, You're hooked, man. You're hooked. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm hooked 100%. But yeah, my brother in law, he went out to Newfoundland and, and he said, you know, the moose are so plentiful there. It was like, all right, pick the one that you want, you know? Mm, so yes. it was, <clears throat> it was a different kind of hunt. Yeah. Um, Cause the, 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 the Shiris moose hunt that I did, like they're not everywhere. I mean, you, I, I got lucky. Yes. I got really, really lucky to harvest on my first full day. Nice. Um, I don't think that I saw, I was out there for a week plus. I don't think I saw a single other uh, moose that whole time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you, you get a work for it. And uh, there was definitely an element of luck. Yeah. And the work is after you pull the trigger too. I mean, to, to butcher oh a moose. Those things and, out. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when the whole work of it. And that's when you were really yeah. appreciated when you're sitting down and having that moose steak that you, you put so mm-hmm. much work, so much effort, so much planning I- into that, yeah. that it, it, beca- it becomes yeah. a part of you and a part of, uh, yeah, your story was just awesome. I was like, that's yeah. just, uh, great to hear the excitement that still lives on. I, I, you know, like everybody tells their hunting stories and uh, we get fired oh, yeah. up and it's not just about pulling the trigger. It's about the prep. No. It's about the harvest. It's about getting the animal out. I mean, I dragged a deer out in the dark this year. I forgot how that was. That's miserable. You know, running into mm-hmm. blowdowns oh, that you never again. saw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. So that's part of my story. And I got scrapes and bruises to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The pack out. It's yeah. makes that, it make, makes that meat, whatever it is, even better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, excellent. Yeah, well, Thanks for sharing. Man. We, we have yet, I have yet to try a moose steak, uh, not having oh. harvested one yet. So hopefully we're going to make that happen, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like how that sounds somewhere, somehow, uh, that, yeah. that sounds awesome. But, um, that kind of segues into all the good hunting talk we're talking about and our second amendment rights right now. And what's going on in this country uh, related to conservation, self-protection, everything else. And one of the reasons why you started, and you got the, shirt, the great shirt with our emblem on it, Triumph Systems, which I'm fortunate to be a part of, and a reactive target company that actually brings in conservation targets as well as anything else you would need for defensive, um, you know, proactive uh, pistol and rifle training. Tell us about mm-hmm. Triumph and how it started. Um, as we, as we dive into some of those two issues. Sure. I, I, where, where to start? I mean, (laughs) there, there's so, there's so much going on. Um, so two, two years ago at the height of the riots, um, that was kind of a, for, for me, um, it was so close to home because where we've moved since then, but, uh, uh, the, the building that our warehouse was in was under siege. It was attacked. All of the retail stores were looted, were burned. Now we, we barricaded our warehouse and our inventory ended up being fine. And we've since moved to outside, outside of the city. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's so 
evident today in the, in, in, in the day and age that we live that, uh, you know, th there was a defund the police movement. And I think that um, a lot of the cities that, that moved in that direction, they're backpedaling at this point. Oh, yeah. And it's and, and, and they're realizing it. This is not defund the police. The conversation should be let's fund better training, period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll back up before the riots, before COVID and, and the riots and whatnot. Uh, I left active duty. I stayed in the military industrial complex for a couple of, for, for three years or so. Uh, I did that TV show on National Geographic Channel. Okay. And I and, you know, through, you know, po po post-military working in the industry, I, I saw an opportunity to really innovate how people train with firearms, not, not only train, but just experience the range. Cause we kind of talked about it earlier. If you, if you enjoy doing something, you're going to do it more. Right. So, um, there, there is, if I can make target shooting more fun, well, that's a, that's a good thing because people are going to spend more time on the range. So, uh, started trying out systems and, you know, really we have a, a pretty uh, diverse and wide product offering. Uh, internally we say, uh, you know, we have our, our, our retail SKUs and then we have our, our government products. Uh, and they range from, you know, fun targets that, that ooze uh, that you can visually see when you shoot them, uh, to targets that kind of splatter, when you shoot them to, and that's our, our, our retail products. Uh, and then the other spectrum is our, our government products. And, and really that is a, a mobile turning target system that literally it has a motor, it has a remote and it flips from a threat to a no threat hmm. because we have to be thinking shooters. Um, if you are in a profession that requires you to, 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 to wear a, a firearm, um, it, it, you, you've got to be prepared uh, in, in stressful situations to make the right decision. So, um, you know, my thought process is if you're just training on static targets to shoot a bullseye, but you, you carry a gun for a living, that's probably not the right type of training. Uh, so just saw an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to innovate how, how law enforcement, how military trains, saw an opportunity to make target shooting more fun for, you know, you're not you for your uh, recreational shooters or, or hunters or, or whatnot. And uh, yeah, de definitely. We've, we, we've made a big difference. Yeah. It's, it's been an incredible, incredible system of targets and being, uh, being fortunate to be one of your pro staffers from the start of this thing, given uh, what the stuff we've done in the past from a conservation law enforcement standpoint, from a game wardens conservation and hunter education. And then also on the tactical mm -hmm. side, I'm, I just like using all of our targets for all the classes and all the mentoring I do. You know, we have the ethical harvest target. It's a white-tailed deer, a buck that's got the vitals with the red and the blue oozers to get, you know, immediate visual feedback. Mm. It's a great target for teaching new hunters. You know, oh, yeah. It, yeah. it really, really is. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, of all the different classes we do, either on the government, law enforcement, military side or civilian classes, uh, yeah, you know, out, out if, even if I didn't know you and I wasn't part of the company, so to speak, I would pick these things up and go, hey, that's going to be a really fun target for first time women shooters. Um, yeah. I just had three ladies do a first time intro to pistol class last weekend up here on my West Coast training facility. And we did an evil clown at the end of the day. And <laughs> nice. all of them got to shoot the evil clown, uh, multiple yeah. reps, working their glocks and doing combat reloads and, and good stance. 
they were giggling, they were laughing, they were doing fundamentals, and they were hitting lights out. Nice. And these ladies nice. never shot a handgun before tactically. Maybe they yep. shot a 22 as a kid. And they wanted, hey, yep. can we get pictures with the evil clown? Evil clowns aren't <laughs> going to be allowed during our holidays, blah, blah, blah. And and, that, and that's what this, this whole thing brings, man. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to be a part of it, but it's also cool to see the evolution and the progress Triumph is making, um, especially with the Pivotal Trainer. You mentioned yep. threat, no threat target. And I want to just talk that up with you a little bit because that's the one thing you know I use internally with uh, my old Met colleagues, other agencies, including Met, they still have that system and use it. Um, we've used it on several shooting related TV shows to show that stress. And I've had fellow hosts from other tier one shooting related television shows, run them through a pivotal trainer drill. Mm-hmm. And these guys have shot forever. They've been through every type of reactive stress scenario you can imagine. And they're, they're going, wow, man, my heart is racing. You know, yeah. when I'm doing that lateral step and am I going to see, you know, the cell phone, am I going to see the, the, the pistol, what other threats coming at me? And it's just, it's a great, great target system. And I know we have some uh, new developments. We're going to show it shot this year of some other improvements. Uh, they're going to be good, but love the products and everyone seems to be resonating with them well. And the origin, I think of why you started the company and filling that gap in that need, especially in the crazy times we're in now, like you said, yep. The defund the police, the uh, people are turning back on that. And just our citizenry throughout the U.S., even traditional, Wayne and I have talked about on several previous podcasts, especially on Think Green Line, we started this second podcast right through COVID mm-hmm. because everybody wanted to learn and they wanted to hear about preparedness, mm-hmm. self-reliance. And I think, what was it, Wayne, sometime between March and April of last year, when we started those first couple episodes, Jared, we were seeing a 30 to 40% increase in traditional non-gun users, non-hunters going to online states that they live in to get hunter safety certifications Mm -hmm. Go and try to buy their first firearms to try to learn, hey man, if if I have to harvest an animal to survive, if this this thing goes, this pandemic goes any further where we're completely off the grid now and cut off, I kind of feel like I'm at a disadvantage and I'm playing catch up. So we we had Mm -hmm. in a horrible national situation, well, worldwide situation, we suddenly had this, you know, we played to the positives. We had traditional non-shooters, non-conservationists suddenly seeing the light and saying, hey, I want to try that without pressure. Now it's survival. And that's where these targets come into play. And that's where mm-hmm. we, you know, we start to get people into the right mindset and make it fun and not evil and not intimidating. Um, but there's a push for it now. And uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really glad in the country, you know, that there is for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about the lack of ammo, Jared? Does so, that hurt you? Um, you know, no, I'll say no, it hasn't, but I, I think that it's, uh, been caused for people to re reevaluate, um, kind of how they train and, and which results in training as a function, just being, it's, 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 it's more valuable than it was before because there, there are short, there are supply shortages. So it's like, okay, when you go out there and train, it better be worth it. It better mm. be the best damn training that we can create because uh, this this once abundant resource is no longer. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that it's affected us and it, it hadn't affected the government. The government, you know, they've got right. the federal government, the state governments, they've got, they've got stuff. Some of the local smaller departments, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it's just made uh, made people realize, hey, 
when we dedicate the resources to train, it better be the best damn training we can do. Yep. And and and, and that's that's Excellent. that's literally what we do. We facilitate yeah. awesome, awesome training. And you know, John, you mentioned shot. We'll be out there uh, the, the, on our turning target system, the pivotal trainer. The number one feedback uh, item that I hear from from end users is, "Can I customize this so that I can yeah. just you know yeah. hit a button and then it's going to flip you know to do the qualification shoot the way I want it to? I just I just want to hit go and then it's going to have a yeah. memory and it's going to do the the course of fire that I set up." Um, well, prior to uh, prior to uh, now, we've not had that capability. But at Shot Show, we'll be launching a smart version of the Pivotal Trainer that has um, that has that feature to it. Nice. So we're excited, and and I can't wait to see you guys at Shot. It's going to uh, be you know just long overdue. We didn't have Shot last year. You know? We didn't, and the oh. last Shot Show we had the previous year was a really good one for us at Triumph, and it was just mm -hmm. the world was in a better place. Um, yep. I think that was one of the best shots, well, definitely the best one I've been to, um, yep. with 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 all the sponsors and everybody kind of coming together. And uh, yep. yeah, it's kind of like an old homecoming weekend reunion just to get back and it, see it each really is face yeah. and and be around and, our products. And, and with we other are so excited to have you in our booth. Can't wait again this year. Sign, sign in. I don't know how many books we bought, but we'll do. <laughs> we'll sign some books and get them out to the first twenty-five or fifty people, or however many it is. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll bring some fun fun awareness around all that, man. And I appreciate it. It's just going to be good to see you again. And oh yeah, and uh, just just generate some good message. I appreciate it. Yep. And that's a Absolutely. mega step for you guys. I mean, that's awesome. Hit go, and it does the whole scenario. I mean. Rather than the guy sitting there mm -hmm. pushing it every time and has to remember, oh my goodness, uh, yep. you just took that yep. such to the next level for training. Um, that, that that's an incredible. Yeah. Well, I, it, so so it does a couple things. One, if you're the RS, if you're the if you're the head trainer, um, you you're not messing around with the remote control. You are you hit go and you're watching the students. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it allows for you to train to objective standards. Because when you're manually controlling a, a turning target system, it might, for, for student A, it might flip and expose a threat for three seconds. And then, you know, you put the next person through it and it might be five seconds, right? Mm. So you just, you cannot train to an objective standard right. under those conditions. But now that, you know, we've got this memory and this ability to program it, oh, it's, it's the same for everybody. Yeah. And I can score you objectively. So, you know, there, there, there's that element as well. Game changer. It is a game changer. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for sharing ahead of the SHOT Show. People can go oh, see yeah. it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. it's, we're, we, we are excited. we got to release this before SHOT Show, John, so we get the cutting edge of Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> we're dropping this week, right? Uh, well, whenever you yeah, say we, go, we go. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be a Christmas week edition? Yeah, this is uh, this could be a Christmas week, or it could be a very early January, right yeah. before we uh, definitely before cool. we get a shot for yeah. sure. Okay, awesome, very cool, liking it, liking it. And Jared, got to ask, you know, we, we've had some conversations, obviously, you know, off off podcast, but around the training we're doing and what we're trying to generate and provide on the Triumph side, just where the state of the country is right now in general, Whole, massive political polarization, um, a lot of civil unrest, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, targeting against our Second Amendment gun rights uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, what's 
What do you think are some of the things we need to be aware of, or our American public needs to be aware of moving forward to correct the problems, to align us right, and, and not to you know favor any one side, but just to bring us together more as a country, lessen the polarization, agree to disagree, but do something that's going to protect our country from all the attacks we're having internally and externally, and continue along the mantra of conservation, legitimate Second Amendment rights, safe gun handling, and just an American public that is prepared for anything that can come down the gate, especially in lieu of COVID. Well, I, you know, I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind is there's a lot of actors out there, whether it's uh, institutional or individuals, that it, it, it seems like their focus is to, to pit people against each other. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we have all of this, um, you know, choice in terms of where we get our media and who we want to listen to. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they're going to tune in to those channels that reinforce whatever their thought, whatever their thought, thought is. And it, it just lends itself to a population that is not open minded, that doesn't want to talk. And so I, I think that, I mean, that's, that's a great place to start. Is, is realizing that, you know what, we have a lot more in common than these people will ever admit to. So, so let's have an open conversation on and, and, and figure out what's our common ground. And then, you know, we can figure out the, the next best step for whatever, whatever the problem, whatever the, the discussion is. But we, we actually have a lot more in common than these people want us to think. Um, so that, that, that honestly is, is where I would start. And you can do that as an individual uh, this holiday season when you go home to see your family. Yeah. That if it's like any family that I know of, not everybody is, is in alignment. Um, and it's, it's really easy to, to just want to believe what you believe and not listen to someone else's perspective. But, uh, you know, you, you can start now. You can start this holiday season. So I, that, that's a great place where everybody can have impact. Um, I think that the past two years have really highlighted uh, the fact that um, the individual is responsible for his or her safety first. We don't want to live in a police state where there's a cop at every single corner. Uh, I don't want to outsource protection. I don't want to outsource family defense or family protection to the government. Uh, so I, I am the first line of defense for me. I am the first line line of defense for my family. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about the defund the police movement and that pendulum, even in the bigger cities swinging back. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think that the, the past 18 months, um, people are realizing that, you know, they, they want to be responsible for their own uh, safety because we we've just seen systematic failures and with, with between the riots and some of the political movements of defunding the police and taking training away and not giving those guys what they need. It's scary. And even, even, even people that were anti-gun didn't want anything to do with it. it those, I can't tell you how many of those people I know that call me, Hey, I bought this gun. <laughs> Will you come and you come and train me how to use it? Yeah, 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 I, yeah. And they were the biggest anti-gun people, you know. Yeah. And, but but it's 
it is scary. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the other part is, you know, um, people, people realize that this is a, this is a scary world and, and you are truly responsible for protecting those things that money and insurance cannot replace. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your safety and that of your spouse and kids, your family. No doubt. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that statement. Well said. Um, and I think because we're, we're running scared as a society right now with what's happening and what we don't know is going to happen in the future. Um, that's the start of bringing us together. There's more common ground yeah. even in that. And like, I get yeah. the same, same thing from countless people. Hey, uh, I can't get ammo anywhere. Can you help me get ammo? Can you do a training yeah. for me? And very much anti-gun yeah. up to a point looked at us as kind of like an aggressive type of mantra mentality. Those, those of us on the conservation 2 a front. And now mm-hmm. it's like, well, wait a minute, they're opening their minds. I'm taking you know, I'm lowering my guard and we're, we're bonding as Americans over this, this, uh, this realization. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's great for the country. I think we need it yesterday and we need more of it yeah. now and more of what you said to, to, to a perfect point just be very wary of the media outlets you're watching and take things with a grain of salt and get face to face. You know, let's get off our devices and get off an Instagram and get off of a news channel and off of a bias left or right, no matter what your source is and start Mm -hmm. to get face to face safely and just say, Hey man, we can agree to disagree. Tell me more about you. What do you think is going on with this pandemic? What have you experienced? It's been scary. Have you been personally threatened? in any way outside of just fear of, of a virus. And yeah. I've had so many bonding conversations with people over this that are anti-gun just by being uh, empathetic and listening. Mm-hmm. And they end up, you, Wayne, myself, they end up really seeing, hey, we're not crazy gun-toting, you know, quote-unquote aggressors. We're just out here doing good stuff for the country for preparedness and a little bit of American pride. And people yeah. look after one another and not be fearful now. Um, preparing for the worst, expecting the best and living with less fear. And mm. that, that's, that's man, just what we need as a country. So absolutely spot on. And I know, uh, I know we all try to propagate that wherever we go in our worlds, the three of us yep. and, and the people we work with. Um, and I hope we get some results sooner than later. Well, it's uh, n- n- nothing stays the same. Right. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're closing the books on 21 and I look forward to 22. I think it's yeah. going to be a great year. Yeah. I onward agree. and forward. Uh, yeah. Um, onward and forward. It, it is onward and forward. All, all to good stuff. And um, before we yeah. close out, how can our listeners and viewers follow you? What are your channels? Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, so check out my company first and foremost, triumph-systems.com and uh, check out our awesome. If you love to shoot, come, come and check out our website. Uh, you can follow it. You can look up Triumph Systems on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're there, Twitter as well. Uh, me personally, Jared W. Ogden, J-A-R-E-D-W, Ogden, O-G-D-E-N. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. So definitely, um, if you if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, I, I know that we've enjoyed, the three of us mm. have enjoyed it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, c- c- come and give me a follow on, on uh, Instagram or whatever. And uh, we'll keep the conversation going. Yeah, no. Love it, man. Well, we Thanks. can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's so good to, to see you virtually and, and to get together in person in a couple of weeks at that awesome shot show. Finally. I, I, I can't wait. And um, 
you're going to see some cool stuff at shots. And then, and then we, we've had the backdoor conversations there. There's stuff going on that I can't yeah. talk about right now, uh, but maybe as well. <laughs> in six or eight months. Yeah, so. yeah. That sounds like another podcast, Jared, for sure. And I've got a whole page of notes that we kind of moved through Sweet. that, uh, that okay. I certainly wanted to follow up. And uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. You've been a dynamic uh, interview. Uh, Things that, you know, I still want to peel back that onion, uh, learn a little more Absolutely. about you and uh, the things you're doing now. And, uh, no, the relationship with you and John is uh, epic. So I think, uh, yeah, good team. 